welcome back to the Outcomes Rocket. Saul Marquez is here, and I have the privilege of hosting Dr. David Hanscom for the second time in this two-part series on chronic pain. He's an orthopedic spine surgeon whose practice focused on patients with failed back surgeries. He quit his practice in Seattle, Washington to present his insights into solving chronic pain, which evolved from with, really with his own battle with chronic pain. The second edition of his book is Back in Control, a Surgeon's Roadmap Out of Chronic Pain. His website is www.backincontrol.com, where he presents an action plan on how you can deal with chronic pain. His new book, Do You Really Need Spine Surgery? Take Control with the Surgeon's Advice, was released this fall, 2019. It is intended for healthcare providers and patients alike to make a good decision about undergoing spine surgery. If you haven't listened to the previous episode with Dr. Hanscom, I highly urge you that you go back. He shares a story about his struggle with chronic pain and how he recovered and now his mission to help others recover here in the U.S. and beyond. Such a privilege to have you back here, Dr. Hanscom. Thank you so much for, for joining us again. Thank you. Happy to be back. Yes. And so during our initial uh, podcast with you, you, you took us through you know, the problem of overcare in the U.S. and just a lot of the different overoperations and the waste, $20 billion a, a year on, on, on handling chronic pain in a way that's not effective. Today, we're going to be focused on the solution and how you're addressing it with your resources and your website and, and now the app that you guys are launching. So why don't you kick us off with what that solution looks like in your eyes? What has happened in medicine particularly the last 20 years, as it were, focused on structure. In other words, if you have a symptom, there must be some structural problem causing it. The reality is probably 90% of all symptoms in the body in any body region is from the physiology, how the body functions. In other words, what's your levels of stress chemicals, what's your levels of inflammation. So the body is not just a collection of parts, same as a car. It's way more complex than a car, but a car runs. Everything has to work in precision. The body is way more precise than the car, and it has to work and function. Medicine is really looking at just symptoms and not the actual function of the machine. Yeah, and so we take a look at those symptoms and not the actual machine, and that's where the problem starts. And you know, we we had a great opportunity to connect before this podcast again, and you know, you mentioned something. You said Western medicine's lost. And, and I think there's something to that, you know, the idea that we're doing it wrong. So talk to us about the way that we should be looking at this. You know, you, you've mentioned oxytocin, you know, as that potential way to get their cytokines. T- tell us a little bit more about the science and, and how you guys are approaching it very simply. Well, what my mission has been my entire career. So we have all these incredible research projects and findings, but nothing ever changes. In other words, they don't implement what they find. So what's been literature for 20 years is that the body is inflamed under threat. And what you can do is you teach people how to create safety, the body heals itself. So the essence of healing is connecting to the body's capacity to heal. But you first have to understand what the body's doing. So if you're just looking at symptoms, it's like having a 
rattling your car, and you just change a spark plug without making the correct diagnosis. So what you want to do is find out what is the problem causing this symptom, not just treating the symptom. So what we're trying to do is, like, we're not trying, we're doing it, is that this is stuff we learned in medical school. We sort of got it as we went into, this, into treat, treating the symptoms. But the body is so delicate and intricate that as you allow the body to heal itself, it's almost, what is this miraculous what it can do? Mm-hmm. So by a self-directed process, the three parts of healing is, first of all, understanding the problem. So medicine not only lost its soul, but actually hurting people. So what's happened, we, uh, we learn about the body, but we drop it when we get into clinical practice. So becoming aware of what the body's doing based on the symptoms is really the first key to treating anything in any realm. So the first step is becoming aware. The second step in treating chronic pain or any chronic disease is treating every aspect of it simultaneously. Chronic pain is complicated. There's many parts to it. We're throwing random, simplistic solutions at a complex problem. It can't work, and it doesn't work. The final step is the patient has to take control because the patient's complex, chronic pain's complex. The only person that can actually solve the problem logically is the patient. So what I'm excited about it has massive public health implications because it's so self-directed. Yeah, it's uh, there's that point of you've got to take control. And so talk to us a little bit about your thoughts on, you know, the mental health piece associated to the physical health piece, right? Those are intricately connected. And I think maybe the, the better question is mental health versus pain. Well, first of all, physical health and mental health are exactly the same thing. When we find out that anxiety, depression, bipolar, schizophrenia are inflammatory disorders, guess what? Alzheimer's, Parkinson's, cardiovascular disease, adult onset diabetes, and multiple other conditions are also inflammatory disorders. It's the same thing. And the mind and body aren't different at all. They're disconnected. Mm-hmm. Your body will not exist without a brain. Your brain will not exist without a body. So they're just intertwined systems. So you have to look at the whole thing as a unit. Okay. So humans have a problem compared to other living creatures that, is that my cat can function just fine. She survives. She has, she has some, some level of awareness, but she doesn't have consciousness like humans have. And so what happens is that we have language and words and concepts that my cat doesn't have. Mm-hmm. The problem is those thoughts and concepts become embedded in our brain the same way as a chair or cable. That's what the neuroscience shows. So we have these endless number of thoughts that we can't escape. So negative thoughts, repressed emotions are also a threat that creates a survival reaction, which includes the immune system, which includes chronic inflammation. And so what happens, people that are under, so anxiety is that sensation created by this threat. So anxiety is not the problem, it's the result of the threat. So anxiety is a sensation generated by elevated stress chemicals like adrenaline cortisol, Cortisol. It's also increased metabolism. It's also um, cytokines, the inflammatory process. So anxiety is just that sensation generated by the body's response to a threat. The reason why that is so critical to understand is that the antidote to anxiety is control. When you lose control, you become angry, which means you put in more stress chemicals. In other words, anger and anxiety are the same thing. So by treating anxiety psychologically, which it is not, it's a response to psychological input, People don't know what to do with it. And anxiety is intended to be a very severe, unpleasant feeling because it causes you to survive. 
So by misdiagnosing and mistreating anxiety as a psychological issue, we're actually creating damage both personally, but also at a societal level. And, and you're saying that anxiety is a physiological problem. It's a response, right. A physiological uh, and, response. Right. Physiological is that your car is a, is a structure, but when you turn the engine on and the car is running, that would be the physiology of the car, right? It's how the right. car works. Yeah, no, that makes sense. And so it's creating issues for us personally. It's creating issues for us societally. In the last podcast we recorded, David, you you called out, you know, you you've had nine colleagues that, you know, have passed um, you know, because of suicide. And it's actually nineteen. Nineteen. Oh right. my lord. And I was almost, I was almost number twenty, as I talked about before. And what drove me down the hole was anxiety. And I actually went to psychotherapy for thirteen years to solve anxiety. But I went from being a fearless surgeon to crippling anxiety in about five minutes. And it turns out that it was basically a dysregulated autonomic nervous system. In other words, I had basically a cytokine storm. It's brutal. Mm. And the trouble is with anxiety, the more you talk about it, the worse it gets because it's all based on neuroplasticity. So the point that is really critical here is that the unconscious brain that keeps us alive is processing about 20 million bits of information per second, 20 million, conscious brain processes 40. So anxiety, so it's a mismatch. Anxiety is what keeps you alive because if you didn't have anxiety, you wouldn't survive more than a few minutes. It keeps you some. So anxiety is what you have, but it's not who you are. So the message I'm trying to bring to the world is, look, you can deal with it, but you can't get rid of it. You don't want to get rid of it. So the first step is to separate from it. But it's, it's this relentless being subjected to unpleasant thoughts and emotions that causes our body to be under threat on a constant basis. And you can call that mental health if you want, but your stress, your stress reaction is a total body response to stress. We think stress is a psychological issue. It's not. It's your whole body's response to a threat. So the term I like to use is threat versus safety. Mm-hmm. Well, threat causes disease because it changes the body's physiology to a very adverse environment. With safety, you're full of oxytocin and dopamine and serotonin and drugs that allow you to heal and regenerate. So the key to healing is learning the tools that switches your body response from a threat to a safety response. Well, it's really interesting. And so you have a, a roadmap, the DOC roadmap. Correct. Tell us a little bit about that, right? That's the solution that we're talking about here. And you guys are enveloping a suite of apps and things to, to help folks, but there's a lot there now. And so talk to us about the DOC roadmap. What does DOC stand for? And tell us about the foundation. Well, it stands for direct your own care, because again, the only person that can solve the situation is you. And let me pretend that you're my patient for a second. You're in my office. You've had okay. 10 years. And by the way, the people that heal, we watch thousands of patients go to pain-free. The people that have healed have been the worst of the worst. They've had 5, 10, 15, 20 operations. They've been in chronic pain for 40, 50 years, and they can go to pain-free. And what happens, the first step is to understand the problem. So I say, look, so when you go home, I just want you to do some homework. Just drop everything. Don't try to fix yourself anymore. Just do some homework. So I have a look at my book, glance <clears throat> through it. But I put them on the website now. I say, look, before you start the book even too much, let's start the healing process today. 
Well, I have them do several things. One of them is it's called expressive writing. You simply write down your thoughts, tear them up, and you're not getting rid of the thoughts, but since you can't escape your thoughts, you're simply separating from it. So the piece of paper's on the table. You're here. There's a space that is connected with vision and feel, which is part of the unconscious brain. And you tear them up to write with freedom, positive or negative, but also not to analyze them. Because the solution for chronic pain is called neuroplasticity, where you can literally develop a new nervous system within your old nervous system. And the new nervous system doesn't have pain. And with neuroplasticity, your brain changes every second. I did not know this when I was in medical school. In fact, they didn't know that. But new neurons, new connections, your brain changes every second. So what you're doing, you're literally sculpting your brain to go whichever direction you want. So what the writing does, it does awareness and separation on one move. Then the third step of neuroplasticity is, neuroplasticity is reprogramming or redirecting. So the third step is called active meditation, where you just put your brain on the sensation for a few seconds, five to ten seconds, taste, touch, smell, whatever it is. We actually do this during surgery where we go to feel. We've had a dramatic decrease in complications just by connecting to the move. So just for a second, drop your shoulders, let you draw muscle relax. That's it. You just drop it down, connect it to, to a different sensation than thoughts. So that's been very effective. So the fourth step is sleep. And there's a whole chapter in the book, chapter 14 on sleep. Without sleep, the entire process doesn't work. But within usually two to six weeks, using a combination of bedtime treatments, sometimes medications, we get people to sleep. Then the final step, which is interesting, remember this is all based on neuroplasticity, is that if you're going to analyze your thoughts, your brain's on the thoughts, a lot of people in pain complain about their pain a lot, or they obsessively pursue a solution, and I understand it. I did this for 15 years myself. The problem is your attention's on the pain. So I say, tell look, when you walk into my office store, you will never discuss your pain ever again with anybody, especially your family. And by the way, no complaining, no gossiping, no giving unasked for advice, no criticism. But you put your brain where you want it to go, and when you're hooked in other people's faults or your faults or whatever it is, that's where your brain's going to develop. I'm not into positive thinking, which is a way of suppressing negative thinking. That's a disaster. But it's, it's a positive vision or positive substitution. And you say, what you want your life to look like, what you bring in that direction and keep going. So that's the starting point of the whole process. And it evolved from my 15 years in pain, trying everything imaginable. But you're just starting to lay the foundation of your brain to switch gears and create a new nervous system. And it's incredibly consistent and ineffective. Yeah, you know, and, and, and so the simplicity is of laying the foundations great. By the way, David, I also love the, like the, the visuals that you have on your site. Folks, if you go to backincontrol.com, on the top left, there's the, the link that says DOC Roadmap. And you'll see what Dr. Hanscom is talking about here, right? I mean, he, he lays it out so, so well for us. And so we've laid the foundation, David. What's next? People really don't heal until they acknowledge their anger. And when you're trapped by pain, you're angry, and justifiably so. The research shows that 90% of people that are in chronic pain have not let go of the person or situation that injured them. The person that they really have not forgiven, though, by the way, is themselves. So what happens, you can't really move forward until you let go. Every person that is healed 
essentially to the person has had an undergoing process of forgiveness. And so it's not a religious thing. It's not a philosophical thing. You just say, look, I'm taking my life back. It's a learned skill. And so forgiveness is awareness and separation of one move. In other words, you allow yourself to feel angry. You feel it. Then you let go, which is the forgiveness. Then the reprogramming step I like to talk about is play. Because play is very powerful. Those circuits are already in your brain. It's the way how we evolve. And play gives you a wonderful body chemistry where anger gives you a very unpleasant body chemistry. So forgiveness versus play is the essence or the, I call it the continental divide of chronic pain. It is the tipping point. Hmm. That's really interesting. And so you go through, you, you get to make those, those decisions, you play. And obviously, there's different ways to play. And, and folks, you'll, you'll have an opportunity to, to learn more. This is kind of more of a, of a high level. But I'm, I'm very intrigued by this. You know, and, and, I, and I love, and I've, I've told you this before, Dr. Hanscom, I, like just the, the simplicity of this, you know, it's, it's simple, but it's not right. Because when you're in chronic pain, it, it's, it's, it's a challenge, but the way that you lay it out, you know, it's really just, you know, you don't have to operate on, on, on anyone uh, necessarily, you know, unnecessarily, and you don't have to take a bunch of drugs. So this is really neat. And, and so the next step is, is, is moving forward. Talk to us about that. Well, I mean, it's one thing to read the book and to understand it conceptually, but remember, with neuroplasticity, it takes repetition. So mm-hmm. the next stage is where just getting organized and operationalizing it. So that means, you know, committing to a daily practice, which can be only five or two minutes. It doesn't have to be long. And so repetition is really key. And then awareness of when you're being triggered and going into the hole, really critical. Family issues are a big deal. We can out the family is the biggest trigger. And that's an entirely separate podcast. We found out with family issues that we can do all these different steps of writing, relaxation, forgiveness, but families trigger each other 100%. No exceptions. Yeah. Who you are, you can pretend you don't. That's not true. So we found out that by dealing with the family issues, the healing was probably tripled as far as the timing of it. It was wow. and the whole family got involved in the process. So stage three is basically consolidating, getting organized, creating a family plan, creating a personal plan. But the key here is really sort of a lifetime of commitment. And, and so, yeah, I mean, you know, I think about just, you know, and it's so easy, right? Like you, you're with your family, you know each other so well. There's, there's some quick ways to trigger each other. <laughs> well, that's what the paradox is that social connection is a big deal. It's a desperate need for every human being, again, because that's how we evolve. But the deeper the relationships, the deeper the triggers. It's maybe the, one of the worst paradoxes of the human existence. But conversely, once we teach the family the neurological trickery of these triggers, it's wonderful. It's been really rewarding. Hmm. That's great. So you create your vision. And then the next step here is expanding your consciousness. Tell us about that. Right. So remember when you're fighting pain, you're in survival mode. These are primitive reactions. They're survival reactions. They're not going to go away. So you're being crushed by them. But once you de-energize those circuits, it allows you to be creative. So the three things I look about expanding your consciousness is play, giving back, then I call it the spiritual journey, which is not a religious term to me. It's just getting your perspective back. Good food, good wine, good friends, religious experience if you want, whatever you want to do. But once your brain goes outwards, it's a long ways from being stuck in pain. 
Yeah, this is this is awesome. You know, there's just so many great pearls here, David. And and so you're listening to this and maybe, you, you know, well, oh, actually one of the things, you don't have to be in pain. Like I was, I, I had this great talk with David before this. I'm like, yeah, okay. You know, I started thinking about friends that I know with chronic pain and he, you know, Dr. Hanscom says to me, you don't, you know, you, you're better off if you actually start this now. <laughs> so, so you avoid uh, the cascade of what could be. So don't worry if you don't have chronic pain. This is actually a really great practice to focus on, but let's just say you do. And maybe you're a chief medical officer. You're working with a group of physicians that you know are stressed. Mm-hmm. And you're trying to, to help. I mean, take it from a guy that's been there spent the time, you know, this is, this is it. It's back in control and it's, 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 it's some really great stuff. And so, so tell us a little bit about what's to come here, David, you guys are working on an app to make this available to all of us. I just want to emphasize one point because this is the hardest part for people to get their head around. Everybody has anxiety, right? Mm-hmm. Once you quit fighting anxiety, I mean, my energy level is probably triple what it was in high school. I'm not fighting this endless chemical assault. And so from a leadership standpoint, it's wonderful because creativity comes back. You get to connect with yourself. If you connect with yourself, you get, you get to connect with your staff. You get to inspire people. And it's a wonderfully magical process to flip the switch and actually go into this proactive mode. So the creativity is just a wonderful thing. Leadership, in it, both personally and with the staff that you work with. So what's coming up, this is very much a self-directed process. People that come out of the system is really remarkably simple. And so it's self-directed. You don't need big resources. I would say people come out of the medical care system for between $500 to $1,000 total, maybe $2,000 at the most, occasionally more. And the exciting part is self-directed, and you can just do it on your own. And I always encourage people to get extra help. But we put together an app based on our workshops, and it's designed to create an experience. In other words, this is not a fixed type of coach. We want you to experience safety as opposed to just learning about safety. So the key to healing is actually learning, but also practicing and implementing the tools because you actually feel safe. You get connected, you feel safe, your body chemistry changes. And so what the app does, and my wife is very instrumental in creating this, it's creative, it's enjoyable, it's stimulating, there's didactic, there's exercises, there's things like juggling scars. There's original music. So it's, it's designed to take you down the sequence I talked about with understanding pain to experiencing freedom. And we're excited about it. So great. Now, there's an opportunity. You're listening to this podcast. It's literally launching, if not today, very soon. And if you go to the website, backincontrol.com, David's offering the first 1,500 trailblazers to sign up, just some, some, some great perks to do it. So if this sounds interesting, it's probably better that you jump on it sooner than later before the, all those slots get uh, filled up. So make sure you check them out, backincontrol.com. And there's tons of resources there now. So just you know, check out what they have to offer. I, I love sharing the things that I feel are going to make a difference for people. And this is certainly one of those things. Dr. Hanscom, any any closing thoughts? Uh, anything you want to leave our our listeners with before we part ways here? Well, I think the thought I like to leave people is that we're not on this planet just to survive. We're here to thrive. Everybody wants to thrive. 
And that's been the most enjoyable part of this project is not only do people break loose of their, I'll use the word mental pain or anxiety, they just thrive. They just are at a level they never knew existed. So for me personally, we're just building in life at a level I never knew was even possible. And that's been the most enjoyable part of the project. You have a chance to actually completely change the trajectory of your life. Well, that's something that I would sign up for. <laughs> and, and uh, you know, one thing that uh, David, a friend of mine, challenged me with is, hey, what are you, what are you going to do during COVID? You know, what, how, how are you going to come out on the other side of COVID? And, you know, what decisions are you going to make? Who are you going to become? And, you know, I think about the, the, the work you've done here and, and the opportunity that all the listeners have to get out on the other side of COVID, be even better than, than, they, than they walked into COVID. And, and so I'm grateful for you, David, and, and the work that you're doing and uh, certainly excited to, uh, to stay in touch with you as you guys continue evolving the, the solution that you've developed. Well, Saul, thank you for having me on your program. I'm excited to share with you. I'm excited about your enthusiasm. I really support your work also because we're basically on the same mission, different parts of the same mission. I'm really trying to make the world a bit of a better place. So now I really appreciate uh, working with you. 